today's episode of the Rabbi Parrots podcast, I talk with Rochelle Trath, a Los Angeles-based yoga instructor, community leader, and entrepreneur about prayer and about growing up through trauma and tragedy and turning it into hope and a mission to affect the world around you. Rochelle created the Neshama Project, a yoga-inspired, socially conscious jewelry company that gives back as an extension of all that she believes in. So check out the Neshama Project on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. This podcast is presented by Rabbi Parrots Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, welcome to the Rabbi Parrots podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I, I don't even have to introduce you. That's it. You're here. You're the best. So we're talking to Rochelle Tratt. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. I wanted to talk with you because we've spoken about prayer before or Jewish rituals or ideas. And a big part of what I like to focus on is how to reimagine the language, which I think is the biggest barrier to anything. Mm-hmm. It's just how do you internally say it in your own head what it is. Mm-hmm. And based on your comfort level with just about anything, even if you reject something in your head, you're like, I don't want that. But it starts right there. So we've had conversations of like how you see things and I, and I love your viewpoint and uh, you express yourself so well. And then on top of that, you have a, what you call the Neshama Project, which mm-hmm. is how you sell spiritual, um, I don't want to call them gifts, but you sell mm-hmm. spiritual jewelry and other things and, and do it with other holistic and mindful, beautiful slogans that you put together mm-hmm. online and social media. And I love it because Neshama is the intellectual soul and the intellectual soul is what really stimulates what prayer is. So I thought if there's anybody I should talk to about, it's got to be you. Aww. So thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I think that prayer is can be such a charged word. I think for people, you say the word prayer, and sometimes it automatically goes to religion. And I love having conversations like this because I think it's important to unpack these words and the conditioning around these words. And for me, it's a little bit different. I grew up in a religious home. Mm. I grew up modern Orthodox. Uh, My parents met in Israel in the 70s on a kibbutz. They fell in love. That whole romantic story, lived in Israel for a year and then moved to upstate New York um, because of the Jewish community that was there at the time. And then had my sister, my brother, and then me. And so I grew up in a household that wasn't, they were kind of hippies, so it wasn't very religious religious but it was it was spiritual we had ritual in our in our lives and had friday night shabbat dinners and kept shabbat and so i think for me my you consider yourself like orthodox growing up i mean i went to private jewish school because i'm asking like or is it more when you move to venice now and you're like well compared to venice it's it's been a journey since then (laughs) you know i've been on a roller coaster with it um but I think growing up, I did con- we didn't consider ourselves more like just Shomer Shabbat, um, which mm-hmm. means to be observing the Sabbath from Friday to Saturday night, Friday Friday night till Saturday. And um, so I grew up with a sense of something greater. You know, we grew up in nature. There was a, we had a lake. I grew up playing out in, in the woods and had a different upbringing than necessarily people right here in L.A. And you know, nature became a lot of, you know, our, my spiritual practice mm-hmm. as a kid. And and I think I always felt a little different then. Um, 
I just always had this sense of belief. I had, I had this, you know, as a little girl, this notion that like, I'm supposed to be here to help. And then everything in my life changed when my mom passed away when I was nine and she passed away suddenly and tragically and it changed the course of everyone in my family's life. And that's when my, um, rumbling with prayer and God and religion came right into my face at nine years old, you know, suffering through a traumatic event and going through that at a really significant developmental age, which, um, you know, I struggled with believing in something greater. You know, I, I spent then years kind of abandoning my inner core and inner knowing and, you know, went through what I like to call my rebellious hiccups, um, and, various chapters of figuring it out and I was you know now I look back at all the ways I was just masking trauma um and yet when I look back I still always felt like within me I felt connected to something greater and when I say something greater I, th I think you can and everyone gets to put in the word that resonates with them God Hashem universe spirit nature love kindness like something in our lives that connects us to something greater and I always I still felt that even when I chose to abandon it mm. um, and so it really wasn't until I was 18 and kind of forced to get pretty sober um, of mind body and spirit that I was brought back on to the path that I always knew I was meant to be on and started traveling to Israel a little bit more and which re kind of reconnected me to my roots and um, and it's been a journey ever since. So along this incredible journey, and and you know, I, I I don't have much to say about loss because there's something about not saying something that I think is the right thing to do with yeah. loss. Like in other words, I just want to be here for you and add value, but uh, but I who how could we ever talk about losing a mom? Mm -hmm. You know, what I mean that's just it's it's above and beyond our language and you know you only started in the beginning of your story saying the word prayer and like i wonder like what was your relationship like to judaism and was prayer the same thing lumped in with judaism was it its own mm. part of this like I, the conversation around like life today includes people's incredible micro universes mm -hmm. some have more trauma to deal with than others mm -hmm. but like we're we're all trying to get out of that and mm -hmm. contextualize our struggle mm -hmm. and then find a way to get back on mm -hmm. quote track yeah. to add value and to be a contributor to this incredible human experience and it's often those who struggle the most who find the most unique things to mm -hmm. bring to the table or it's often people who identify with others and can mm -hmm. even if it's not a personal struggle but because I'm willing to acknowledge the depth of somebody else's struggle that it also brings out so there's a real lens here towards these conversations being what inspire us to 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 check ourselves mm -hmm. we're in los angeles the last few days people are mourning the loss of kobe bryant mm -hmm. in a tragic way and there's nothing to scoff at anybody who dies in a tragic way let alone a public figure so many people mm -hmm. know who it is let alone in our city mm -hmm. it right away brings the relationship to life mortality mm -hmm. death what are we here for what are we a part of and i just hope for legacy wise for Kobe, it'll come out like all the good things he's mm -hmm. done over time and mm -hmm. become a legacy of like, look at the charity and the goodwill and all that. Cause that to me is what will keep this type of energy and momentum of goodwill going. Mm -hmm. And I say that because 
you've taken something traumatic in your childhood and when you say get on path i know it means to become yeah. somebody who's a contributor and adding value and trying to figure out how to not only grow yourself but to help around people around you grow that's mm -hmm. incredible and and i wonder from your perspective and i think for the broader context of like where does judaism specifically with prayer fit in mm -hmm. and and i think there's so many misconceptions mm -hmm. about the relationship between your own growth mm -hmm. and adding value to the world and then having like a format of something called prayer which almost seems like yeah. a toxic word mm -hmm. like how does that have to what does that have to do with my personal growth in the world so i'm interested to hear your relationship with it yeah it's interesting because i you know i think about growing up and going to synagogue and and kind of um being there and not necessarily understanding what I'm reading. Like I can, I can read and write Hebrew. I, I don't necessarily understand everything I'm reading or writing. It's just from my education and Hebrew wasn't spoken in the home. But like the, I, I remember, you know, even as a little girl and it's still kind of what I do now, I would just close my eyes and I would just talk and I have my own conversation with, with God. Um, I feel comfortable using that word. Um, but again, anyone can change it with another word. And I, and I still do that today where I resonate, there's parts of me that resonate with ancient language and, and, and script. Um, and there are moments where I've even been in synagogue with you where on high holidays where I'm like, okay, this isn't landing for me right now. So I feel my feet on the ground. I close my eyes. I take a deep breath and I have a conversation in the midst of everyone else, you know, praying in the ways that they know how to pray. Um, and it's, you know, also interesting how, you know, I grew up and there were two prayers that, you know, you're taught to say at night and you're taught to say in the morning. And even during my really challenging dark times in life, I still said them, which is the Shema and Modani in the morning. Is it because I necessarily resonate with the transliteration of the words no it's because it's ritualistic and it feels like home to say it and it's become um just it's been part Grounding. of my, yeah it's part of my nightly and morning ritual and um but i do also other things with that and so prayer to me and why i think is such an important conversation is it's really when you think about intention anything approached with intention can be a form of prayer um being in nature, dancing, practicing yoga, um, a moving meditation, sitting, just having a conversation with out loud and wanting to connect to my center and connect to source and to get away from all the noise can be a form of prayer. For me, really, like when I'm, for me, like, you know, suffering through a traumatic event and then years after my mom died my brother got into an accident that left him paralyzed from the legs down he was the greatest hero in our family's life but two big things that hit at it as as a child and all my studies it's it's a known thing that now like trauma is stored in the body and so for me a lot of the ways that I connect most are when I am it's my body is involved and for me dancing is a form of prayer for me mm. practicing yoga if I'm in the right frame of mind can be a form of prayer and you know and what you what you had said before about you know the past few days in LA you know and the lens of trauma I think it's you know I try to look at it now as it's like my superpower you know that it allows me to um, better hold someone else's hand when they're going through something um, and yeah so prayer is I think just like the breath in yoga is 
weaved throughout my spiritual practice and doesn't look at all like how it was taught or how I'm supposed to quote unquote do it because I don't think there's a wrong or right way to do it. I think I grew up some parts of Judaism tell you, no, you have to do it this way. And I don't resonate with that. I'm the rebel, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to do it in a way that feels authentic to me. And that's the most important. I, I really like what you're saying, specifically the idea about, uh, well, everything, no. but specifically <laughs> about this conversation, the word conversation. And maybe that's the most important word for prayer is to have a conversation mm-hmm. with yourself. If you can, like you said, if you can go as far as with God, great. But the idea of having an internal mm-hmm. dialogue that's consistent mm-hmm. and having um, consistently grounded conversations mm-hmm. about what you're doing, no different than yoga in a way, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's 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 there's free flowing and then there's consistency of having a gateway to get to there i think is an extremely good and important part of living mm. i think how that tra- i think people don't think of that as prayer because it's formless mm-hmm. and and anything without great form is hard to contextualize and it's purely an individual experience and that's really actually the first part of prayer is that it is formless mm-hmm. there is a certain inner language mm-hmm that is being developed. And when you say your superpower is trauma, what you're saying is like you are willing to have that conversation and be involved in that experience because what other reason could it be for you to have that experience? Mm-hmm. So you can choose that there's no reason and it's mm-hmm. just empty and vain. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have to live with trauma your whole mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, no, it's there to make me a vessel to not only grow in the direction that I may have never, but also now help others go mm-hmm. through that. That's an extremely empowering perspective. It'll never heal the fact Mm-mm. that you don't get to grow up with family the way it should be, but it does bring context to what you're capable of. And I, I can't give you more love mm-hmm. beyond empowerment of this is, it's amazing to see you doing it mm-hmm. and going for it. And then there'll be countless people who are affected in a positive way by that Thank and uh, those type of vibes. Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing you're expressing is, is like, you would you would tell people like look you need to have internal dialogue mm-hmm. on a regular basis like yes certain things need therapy mm-hmm. and yes certain mm-hmm. things need friendship and help mm-hmm. but prayer initially is an individual mm-hmm. experience yeah. like before you get to synagogue and through the words themselves etc there it's just an internal experience mm-hmm. what do you say when you wake up in the morning can you train your mind mm-hmm. first thing when you wake up to have something beautiful mm-hmm. your modani when i started these podcasts the first podcast i did was a modani mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. It's like, you're going to start, oh, start to from to the beginning line. of the day. <laughs> yeah. The idea was like, you know, how do I tune in? And it's a remarkable free form. It's a one line morning prayer, but it's really a free form experience to go in, internal. So I think something that I just recently um, did was I wrote out um, two different prayer variations. So it's like I have it written out in the morning when I say Modani, I put my feet on the ground. I, I read a meditation book in the morning. I sit in meditation and then I have two prayers that I've written out that are... Um, really grounding for me and I think that you know we live in a world where we're just like inundated with just information and text messages and emails and social media and we should be here we should be there future tripping judging comparing so much the mind is just constantly spinning and spinning and spinning and Yes, I'm an advocate for therapy. I'm in school to become a, a therapist. I'm an advocate for various types of healing. And, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's you. It's, it's up to me to have a 
and nurture the practices that I know help me to just be more present and more grounded and more grateful and more loving. And, you know, I was thinking about this morning before I was coming to speak with you that I think really having a practice of gratitude is a form of prayer, you know, being able to say thank you for this blessing and also thank you for this challenge because both are here to teach me about myself, you, the world, and, you know, it's just like, can't have one without the other I know I can I have the ability to savor life maybe more than others because I've been through the dark times you know and I also have the ability to um, you know celebrate life because I know that tomorrow's not guaranteed mm -hmm. and I think again that's like the lens of trauma and that's the the super hidden gift is is having that outlook that's really really special the the elements that you pick up you're so you're so naturally tuned in and plugged yeah. in because uh, Modani really is is about gratitude mm -hmm. like the first moment of the day is gratitude I'm alive mm -hmm. that's something that's yeah. a good place to start and then moving from there I think when you talk about meditation and like tuning into yourself mm -hmm. this way it's sort of like take this concept of information and distractions mm -hmm. that you're mm -hmm. discussing social media and life etc and an overwhelming amount. And it's not that we're super, super intellects today. Mm -hmm. We just have so much flow of, of intellectual mm -hmm. information coming through us and just data all day. Mm -hmm. All the time. All the time. All and we have to decipher time. through it and we're distracted. <laughs> and this is why I'm focusing on prayer is because prayer is not there for intellect. Mm -hmm. It's there for emotions. Mm -hmm. It's there to help you build an emotional mm -hmm. language. Yeah. And the emotional language to me is the best defense and it's the best offense. It's the best defense mm -hmm. because... As trauma goes, you can feel yourself and have inner dialogue about your mm -hmm. emotional responses to things in life. And it's the best offense because emotional maturity is what connects you with others mm -hmm. and allows you to have deep, meaningful relationships. So I'm just not just trying to discuss prayer. I'm trying to figure out how we can create the language for the future because it's essential yeah. for people to understand how to build personal languages. Jewish people, we're lucky to have just a formulated concept, mm -hmm. and then if you take that and make it your own, you sitting Yom Kippur and stopping in your own mind the prayer service mm -hmm. and having a moment of prayer, to me, is somebody who works on their prayer. Mm -hmm. Somebody who really works on their prayer cannot come to synagogue and follow the rabbi the whole time. They're, yeah. they're, yeah. They know nothing about prayer. Prayer, wh why would I say that? Because if you're following the rabbi the whole time, he's praying for you. And the goal of prayer is for you to have inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I that's why I pause constantly during Yom Kippur. I'll be like, feel free to stop where you're at if you like it mm -hmm. and just explore that. Because the exploration is what prayer is after. My great-grandfather, right here you see a picture of him, mm -hmm. this guy, bushy beard <laughs> over there. He used to it's pray for six to eight hours a day towards the end of his life. How does somebody pray for six to eight hours? Where are they meditating? Where are they going? It was clearly in every day was leading into the next day. He had this internal ability. And we've lost that art. Mm -hmm. We've lost that ability to have such deep eternal dialogue. So much so that mm -hmm. people say, really, six hours a day? What else? You, nothing else going on? Yeah. It was an art. It was, a, it was something that they developed mm -hmm. for deep survival. And don't worry about it. The Chabad Rebbe himself was not a six-hour-a-day mm -hmm. prayer guy. He was involved. And it was like better to be in an action-oriented world. But what if there's a... Uh, a smaller dose version of that six hours, a way that we can create a language to really dive in and every day continue with that dialogue. I think that's the healing and the emotional maturity, that defense and offense that we need to be the most productive versions of ourselves in the world. Amen.
You're into that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And I think, you know, it's, I remember, I don't know where, who told me this, but it's always stuck with me and I share it in my classes and wherever I can that, you know, there are three things you can do when you're stuck in your head. One of them is move your body. Other one is pray. Other one is go help someone else. And I still live, like, those are pillars for me in my everyday life. And I think we can unpack prayer so anyone who's listening to this podcast can leave with some, like, tangible, like, tools, you know? Like, what if we, what if today you just started with a simple morning and evening practice? And that could look something like, in the morning, I'm going to put my feet on the ground before reaching for my phone. I'm going to take a deep breath. And I'm just going to say, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this body. Thank you for another day here. Today, may I do good. May I be good. May I feel good. May I be a light into the world. Dot, dot, dot. And maybe whoever is listening to this, if you're inspired, go fill out the rest and write your own morning prayer and, and just read it every morning when you wake up. And similar something at night, something just to close out the day with. And and then maybe in between, during the day, you just look up at the sky and you're just like, oh, oh, okay. And just that moment, if it's just one moment in the day where I can connect with something greater than my thoughts or greater than my judgments or X, Y, and Z, then I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm in my spiritual practice. And some days it's more and some days it's less. And we're humans living, you know, we're spiritual beings living this human experience and and some days are, you know, I feel super connected and some days I'm just like totally in my head and that's okay. Uh, you know, I don't strive for perfection in my life anymore. I strive to just be aware and present and human and to show up in love as much as I can for myself and others. Well, that's a uh, great advice to have two times a day. Mm -hmm. The original concept of two times a day, I would say is my first podcast mm -hmm. is Mo Daani. Mm -hmm. So take it or leave it, but there's a morning opportunity for mm -hmm. you. I especially think before we touch our phones, yeah. we have to have rituals before. Like, yeah. you know, it's like uh, anytime you're trying to grow, let's say you lose weight or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you learn that you have to create like little things. You can't just walk into the yoga class. You have to like get yeah, some zone in. And then it just has the power to set your day. You set know? the intention for the day. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, maybe the first few times it doesn't really, you don't feel anything, but then it becomes a part of your routine and ritual and that it's just um and then you start to really feel oh okay I, I feel a little bit more calm i feel a little bit less jittery i feel more present mm. and then that has the power to kind of permeate throughout the day um and then uh the nighttime one i'm i i owe it to the crowd i'll put mm. out a shema yisrael mm -hmm. meditation mm -hmm. that's going to be my next podcast right. where i can like give you a nighttime routine before mm -hmm. you go to sleep something something that represents mm -hmm. you know the unification of everything that happened that day mm -hmm. instead of like it was all fragmented mm -hmm. pieces of things that i have to continue going at it's like no today was a complete day even if each element of itself is and that way you starting your day feeling wholesome and you're ending your day feeling like you contributed to the world somehow and it starts in the mind, but that's what affects the emotions. Mm -hmm. That's what affects the connection. And I kind of look at it, and like you mentioned it before, like spiritual practice, meditation, the way I teach a yoga class, and the way that I approach prayer as all a means of getting out of the head and just back home to the heart and the body and back home to belief and hope and faith and love. 
That's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> well, I this is a continued conversation yes, for please. us, yes, always please. to continue going. So I just want to thank you for coming and sharing thank you for uh, having some me. super depth there and mm-hmm. with us, with our community. And uh, I feel super special to have you in my community. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful every day that you and Miriam and the family are here. I feel like for <laughs> 11 years that I've been in L.A., I felt for – you know, most of it like a wandering Jew, um, not really knowing where I belong because it's like I do have this like orthodox background, but I'm like, you know, so not now, but like still like ritual and tradition, but also don't, you know, and I just have always like just hopped around and it's been such a gift to have you guys here truly. Well, thank you and thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate you checking out this conversation on prayer. Feel free to drop us a rating or a message at word at rabbiparrots.com. And we want your questions because we want to add value to your inner dialogue and your outer dialogue mm-hmm. because more emotionally healthy people and more growth-filled people will just exponentially change our environments and our community and our surroundings. And uh, you did hear in the beginning the Neshama Project. Check it out on Instagram <laughs> and see some of the beauty being produced over here. Oh, thank you. Ja, <laughs> <laughs>